to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can f make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some f really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, not that, my friend, is very hard to do and you have to train you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it it's there the expression of the human body i mean the f everything i mean you know not just the hand and when you're talking about combat well i mean if, if it if it is a sport now now you're talking about something else you have regulations yeah. you have rules but when you're talking about fighting as it is oh, with no rules, real fighting well then baby you better train every part of your body Aloha, Penn Nation. Welcome back to another edition of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Pleasure to be here with you yet again. First and foremost, I'd like to apologize for the hiatus, but we are back in action, and 2020 is going to be a very busy year for not only myself and the podcast, but BJPenn.com as well. So this is episode 123 of BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice, and we have three guests for this episode. We're going to kick things off with our good friend, the king of controversy, Colby Chaos Covington. Followed by UFC bantamweight prospect coming off of a big win, Brian Boom Kelleher. And then we're going to wrap things up with top-ranked heavyweight, future title challenger, coming off of a huge win over Junior Dos Santos, the man, the myth, the legend, Curtis Razorblades. So as I mentioned, it's been a while since we've graced your eardrums. Let's waste no time. We'll jump right into it. First up... Colby Chaos Covington. Tell me, dude, you know, we haven't talked in a while. Obviously, the fight happened. You took a little bit of time off. What were you doing during the time off? Just relaxing? Were you training? What was going on? Nah, of course I was training. I was back in the gym the next week, you know. Mainly, I was just, you know, taking a little vacation, just kind of getting off the grid a little bit, going back to Oregon where I grew up, and, you know, that's where... You know, I went to high school and college, so I wanted to go back to Oregon, kind of hang out with my family for the holidays. And then also I have a good friend over there, Cameron Haynes. So he's a very famous bow hunter slash ultra marathon runner. So the guy is just a beast, man. He just, he trains like an absolute savage. I mean, the guy's so inspirational. So to be around him and train with him is was just unbelievable to run the mountains with him and keep working hard and keep preparing for the next fight, you know, because it's inevitable that the rematch is going to happen. So tell me, uh, uh, Cam Haynes, he's a pretty pretty famous guy, very popular guy. Anybody that follows Joe Rogan is very familiar with him. Did you go hunting with him? I didn't get to go hunting with him, but, you know, the good thing about him is that he's got freezer full of elk, and uh, we had a couple elk dinners together where he made elk for me, and elk burgers, elk tacos, and all these 
good elk. So elk is like the best, leanest meat you can get. So I'm very thankful to Cam for hooking it up with a good elk dinner after we got in a good workout. You got to fuel the muscle, you know, the great American winning machine. Absolutely. Now, uh, also, while you were in Oregon, I saw that you, based on some social media posts, it seems like you got around to maybe some old wrestling gyms, got to poke your head in there and give back to the community a little bit. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. You know, I went back to my high school, Thurston High School, and, uh, you know, I was just pretty much coaching those kids every day throughout the week for a week, and then they had a big tournament, a dual meet tournament style, and it was like pretty much state dual meet championships, and, you know, it was cool to watch them over the weekend compete and, you know, put it all on the line and, you know, it's just, it's good to see the evolution and the growth of the sport of wrestling. You know, now, you know, back when I wrestled, they didn't have girls wrestling. Now there was like 50 girls on the wrestling team at my high school and, you know, they're competing in their women's state tournament. It's just, it's cool to see that, you know, you don't, you don't see that very often. Yeah. The evolution of a sport, I'm sure you're uh, very happy to give back as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I, it's good to give back to those guys, you know, show them that if you never give up on your dreams, you know, you can accomplish anything you set out to do, you know can't make excuses you can't you know complain about it you just got to work hard every single day and believe in your dreams and, and anything is possible absolutely man now speaking of uh you know excuses and 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 things that have happened in the past give us your thoughts on the fight with usman i know you've said a lot already uh you've had a you know you've had a beef with mark goddard and uh you're calling for an immediate rematch i'm sure you've had a chance to watch the fight a lot of people felt like you fought your ass off man myself included and that the stoppage was a bit early. So, I mean, overall, give us your thoughts on your performance in the fight, and, uh, you know, why do you think it warrants an immediate rematch? Well, first off, let me tell you. You know, you know who Mark Goddard reminds me of? He, he reminds me of the crybaby Dems because they pull shit out of thin air. How much do you think he got paid? How much do you think Mark Goddard got paid, Jason? Uh, I am not sure what referees get paid. Will you, will you, please tell me. I'm not talking about paid for the night to... To, to go there and make the show about him. I'm talking about paying under the table to stop that fight early and give Marty Fake Newsman multiple breaks in the fight when they weren't warranted. And, you know, that's a momentum shift. He completely changes the momentum of the fight. I was fighting two guys in the octagon that night on December 14th at UFC 245. So, I mean, all controversy aside, obviously – you know, alluding to the fact that this guy possibly had had it out for you from the beginning, you have a legitimate beef with that. I mean, that this isn't a, it's no shtick. You, you you truly believe that that guy had it out for you, Mark Goddard, on the night of the fight? A hundred percent. I already know that. I know when he walked into the into my uh, dressing room, you know, before the fight to give me the instructions, and just the way he was talking to me and trying to like control the room and like, hey, get over here, Colby, and like just like. So I just felt like disrespected in the locker room. Like, hey, no matter what, though, don't stop the fight at all. Like, I want to fight to the death. That's what I go out to the octagon to do. That's what I signed up to do. So let me fight to the death. I'm a warrior. I'm going into war. So if you rob me of that, that's that's not fair, you know. And that's what he did. You know, he robbed me of that. And he also, you know, completely made some bad calls that, you know, completely shifted the momentum of the fight. You know, giving Marty fake news and multiple breaks to recover when he was hurt, you know, the, the, the body kick, he was ready to quit. You could see the look in his eye. I put it on my Instagram. Go look at the picture. It's right in the stomach, right in the liver. I, I know your ball is probably sunk up into your liver and you're ready to quit, but, you know, get in five minutes to, 
to recover after that is a completely momentum shift. And then and then the eye poke and, and trying to fake it on the other side, but it was fine. He was good to go right away, but he had to take the full f- another five minutes. And it, I mean, it's just a complete momentum shift. And and then you know just and then he's poking me at the end of the fourth round, and then they're not calling it. And then and then the back of the head strikes on the ground and I'm covering it completely coherent and Mark Goddard is stopping it. I mean, that's fucking so corrupt. I mean, it's you, you, okay. Look at it from this point of view, Jason, there's fouls that didn't happen and you're calling them. And then the fouls that are right in front of your face that are happening, you're not calling. What sense does that make as a rep? Mark Goddard is a fucking clown. That guy got paid under the table he should never fucking ref a UFC fight ever again. I feel bad for any fighter that has to deal with him inside the UFC octagon. Yeah, man. I mean, that's one of the biggest parts of your game, right? Is that is that cardio, being able to push the pace. Any stop in the action is a huge benefit to Kamaru, right? Absolutely. That's 100% true. That's what I'm looking to do is get out there, you know, and completely put my pace and pressure on you, and then you're going to start to break and melt. You know, that's what was happening. That liver kick, you second round, I just destroyed him in the first round. Second round, I kicked him in the liver, ready to finish him, and he's ready to quit. I mean, a five-minute change in the action. And then, oh, let's talk about uh, full-on New England Patriots me. They're not supposed to be recording my corner. And the third round, it's clear as day. You know, so that's even more adversity I have to deal with. That I'm supposed to be in a vacuum seal, Jason, with my corner, Conan Silvera. But instead, they're putting audio out on, on the program and all over social media, so that's getting relayed message back to Marty Fake Newsman's corner, and that's another thing, you know? It's like, you know, look at all the cheating going on in sports right now with the Astros, with the New England Patriots, and, you know, the same shit's happened to me, man. There needs to be justice, and, and you know, the law needs to put down it, and th- there needs to be a fair fight. Was there any talk of, uh, I mean, obviously it's a stoppage, it's a little more difficult to appeal, but was there any talk of appealing or maybe going after Mark Goddard uh, through the uh, athletic commission? I mean, you know, I don't know if my team wants to do that. You know, I haven't really thought about that yet. But, I mean, I know I know, and the people know, and that's the most important to me, you know. Like, the people know that was a bullshit stoppage. The people know who won that fight. I was up three rounds to one on the scorecards in the fifth round, and, and it was a complete early stoppage, and there were so many fouls on me that never got called. But all the fouls that Marty Fake Newsman faked, he was able to get those foul calls in his court. So, it's obvious it was a biased thing, and anybody that goes back and watches the tape and, and you look at it objectively and you and you really just analyze the fight, whether you like me or not, get out of your feelings if you hate me, and just look at the fight and analyze it for you know a non-biased perspective, you see who's winning that fight and who won that fight, and, and you know anybody that says anybody different is blind. Now you mentioned uh, the corner audio and and the mentioning of the uh, you know possibly thinking your jaw was broken. Uh, I I had read and heard that your jaw was in fact not broken. That's correct. That's correct. You know I'm I'm not a doctor. You know I'm a professional fighter and I'm the best fighter in the entire world. You know I'm sorry that I'm not a good doctor. Maybe it was hurting a little bit in the moment. Most people are snowflakes and they would have thrown in the towel at that moment. But you know that's not me. So, uh, after seeing a doctor after the fight, your jaw was, in fact, not broken. How much, like, I'm obviously, there was some pain for you to think that. Was that a hindrance to the fight going forward from that point on? No, not at all, because right after that happened, you know, I knew I, I knew I had to step my game up, and, and that's what I did. Right in the fourth round, I went and beat the fuck out of him some more, wobbled him on the feet, fucking pressured him, beat the fuck out of him that fourth round. So, you know, and that was in the third round that I was saying that to my corner. So, you know, if anything, you know, that, that steps my game up more. You know, I know I'm... You know, I need I need to fucking 
you know, dig deeper. I have to, you know, face adversity, you know, and, and in those moments, you know, I'm thinking of the troops. Those are the people that I think of, the guys that are sacrificing their life on the line for this, for the red, white, and blue, for the stars and stripes for America. So, you know, that if in moments like that, you know, I think about the troops and I think about, you know, America. Yeah, man, I, that's a great place to draw inspiration from. And, and, and again, I mean, you certainly showed a, a lot of heart in the fight. And, and like I said, you were whooping some ass through the majority of it. Um, but I mean, you know, looking back on all of it now and, and all of the hype that was going into it, all of the trash talk, uh, and you have, I, you and I have talked about this before that the UFC kind of has it out for you, right? So do you think this is another example of, uh, the way things played out with Mark guarded, the company did not want you to win this fight. Is that what you're alluding to? I mean, it's pretty plain as, as day to see, you know, if you, if you look at objectively and you look back from a distance and look at it bad relationship i've had with the ufc you know and the things i've said about dana white and you know they, they don't want me to win you know they can't have a guy like me who goes against the company winning so you know it is what it is man it's corrupt and it's fixed and, and, and anybody that says any different is just blind and they don't want to look at facts and you know they're letting the facts get in the way of their feelings and you know truth is the force of nature so at the end of the day i know what the truth are and the facts you know and you know that fight was fake news and it was a fixed fight so, as of right now, what's your relationship like with the UFC? Uh, you know, I have no idea because, you know, I'm on vacation. I'm not talking in, to anybody. You know, my agents, you know, I let them talk to them. I let Dan Lambert talk to the UFC. I let the Ballinger group talk to the UFC. You know, it's, I have nothing to say to the UFC right now. I'm on an extended vacation just enjoying my life, you know, because, you know, there's there's someone else besides Colby Chaos Covington, the, the UFC fighter, which I love to compete. I'm still young and time is on my side. But there's also another aspect of Colby Chaos Covington where, you know, I want to enjoy my life and enjoy all the hard work that I put in and, and everything that I've earned. And I've earned it the hard way. I've had to scratch and claw, blood, sweat, and tears, the red, white, and blue weight. And, you know, no one can take that away from me. So I'm enjoying some time and, and not really worrying about what anything else is going on. So, so in terms of campaigning for a rematch, I mean, where are we with that? There's been a lot of talk that... Kamaru's going to fight uh, Jorge next, and, uh, you know, there's some other people in line, obviously, ahead of you that the company believes are, are rightful contenders. Uh, how do you approach this now? I mean, do you campaign for the for the rematch? Do you move on to something else, get a big win, and get right back there? What's the plan going forward now? I mean, I think the plan's pretty clear, you know, is that, you know, I wait for my rematch because that's what I rightfully deserve. And, you know, I just I think that that fight with journeyman George Masvidal and Marty Fake Newsman, I don't think it's going to come to fruition because I think journeyman George Masvidal, a.k.a. Street Judas, he, you know, if you guys know who Judas is from the Bible, it, uh, you know, if he's not going to sign the dotted line because he's going to want to wait for that Connor fight. He's going to want to wait for big money fights. He's not going to want to fight Marty Fake Newsman and risk losing and risk losing all the hype that he has because that's all journeyman George Masvidal is right now is hype. Let me tell you that. He hit lightning in a bottle. Big fucking deal. The dude's got 15 fucking losses on his record. He sucks at fucking fighting. He's a piece of shit fucking person. You know, and this is coming from someone who used to live with him and knows all the ins and outs about him. He's a fucking dirtbag. And there's a reason fucking a lot of his family doesn't even talk to him anymore. So I don't think he's going to sign the dotted line against Marty Fake Newsman. And then I'm getting my fucking rematch. And that's going to be that. And if they do fight, either way, you know, I'm I'm young as fuck. I'll wait for the fucking winner. And that's how, that's what's going to happen. I've already won a UFC fucking title. I've already done things never done before in this sport. Go to the White House. Hang out with the president. 
You know, I, I have nothing else to prove but fighting for what I deserve and what I earn, and that's a world championship. And, and that's what the people want. I'm the people's champ for a reason, so give the people what they want. Give them the gift of Colby for the UFC welterweight championship. There's been a lot of talk. You, you know, you mentioned the money uh, situation between Jorge and uh, and Kamaru. There has been some talk that, you know, unless, unless Jorge gets the kind of payday he's looking for, that fight will not come to fruition, as you mentioned. Uh, but, you know, obviously – the beef between you guys has continued to escalate. Obviously, you, you know you're calling him Street Judas. Uh, he has said that you went into uh, uh, you went into to government witness protection, and you haven't been in the gym. Any truth to that? Have you run into him? What's the situation been like at ATT? And uh, you know what's going on with all that? That's fake news. You know that you can't believe anything that guy says. You know he's he's a turner. He's a traitor, and that's why he got the nickname Street Judas. You know because he he's the Judas. You know and. He's a piece of shit, man. He makes up lies all the time, you know? Yeah, I haven't been to the gym because I've been in Oregon. I've been hanging out with Cam Haynes. I've been training with my strength, new strength and conditioning coach. You know, I got I got better shit to do. You know, I, I'm traveling. I got I got things I'm doing. So, you know, I'll be back at ATT soon, and, and he knows what, what's what. And, you know, he can say whatever the fuck he wants in an interview, but we get face-to-face. He's not going to do shit because he's a little bitch. And you know who he knows who owns who. I mean, he's never won one second of one round of any type of training or anything ever. So the the guy knows who his daddy is, and his daddy is Colby Chaos Covington. So there there was also some talk about you possibly leaving ATT. That's that's out of the question at this point. That's still your home. Dan Lambert's still your guy, and and, and ATT is where you'll be training going forward. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know. Dan's my man. I, I, I love Dan. You know, there's not many people, Jason, that can say they started at a gym. I started American Top Team and never left. This is where I started and this is where I'm staying. You know, journeyman George Masvidal can't say he started at American Top Team. He started another gym. He started at FAA. You know, Dustin Poirier, he can't say he started at He started at fucking Louisiana. Joanna Jordacek, she didn't start at ATC. She started in Poland. So, you know, I'm homegrown from ATT. This is my gym. And there's a reason I'm the team captain. Now, in, in regards to um, the blowback after the fight, you know, I'll, there was a lot of trash talk, obviously. I You know, I found myself going online defending you. A lot of people were calling you a racist after the fight, man. And, uh, oh, look at this racist got his chin checked, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, having having the pleasure of speaking with you all this time, while you are controversial and you do like to hype a fight, none of that ever came off, you know, came across to me like that. So, you know, I found myself on social media, you know, arguing with idiots and trolls. But, you know, what I know you kind of relish this shit and you don't really pay attention to social media. But what has the blow been, blowback been like for you after the loss and uh, all the controversy that went with it? I mean, does that bother you that people are saying shit like that? I mean... Would it bother you if a keyboard warrior was saying some stuff in their mom's basement while they're eating Cheetos? Well, what sucks, man, is that I, I, it shouldn't, but I find myself going to bat for you because, like, you know, I, I talk to you and, and you don't come off that way. So, I mean, yeah, it kind of did bother me. It kind of did bother me. That, that's okay, though. You know, it's like that's that's what's, you know, going on in the world today is that everybody has a different opinion, you know, and they want to look at things a certain way whether they're they're in their feelings or whether the facts are true or not but those facts aren't true you know i've never said one racist word in my life you know i you know i've never done anything like that so you know that's if that that's their opinion if they want to state an opinion you know it's a false opinion so it makes them look stupid you know because they're not they're not 
uh, they're not relying on truth. They're relying on feelings, and, and they're and they're saying things out of feelings. So their feelings are hurt, and and I just don't care about people that want to have hurt feelings. You know, I'm just going to keep doing business and keep working hard and putting it all on the line. You know, because what have they ever put on the line? They haven't put shit on the line. They're not even the best in their in their high school at what they do. You know, and they want to talk about someone who's on a world level. So. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, everybody's going to have an opinion, you know, but opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Yep, that's the truth. And they all talk a lot of shit. Yep, that's the truth. <laughs> if they weren't talking, hey, if they weren't talking, it'd be, it'd be a bad thing. So the fact that they're talking good for them, you know, and and, and, and no matter what they want to say, you know, like whether they hate me or not, like I'm giving them a certain type of release that they can go to my go to my page or go say some comments, like just, you know, just some blatantly wrong comments but you know they're letting things off their chest and you know whether they want to say they like me or not you know they're finding a way to to enjoy things through me people had wondered if you were gonna roll it back after this fight you know uh there was a lot of talk of the gimmick i know you did an interview talking about how you had to really turn things on with the damian maya fight to to keep your position with the ufc which i found interesting because even when we spoke before the damian maya fight this character had been building the entire time. I mean, I could see it personally. It was it was growing and growing and growing. It just might have gotten really turned up to volume 11 with the Damian Maya fight. But there was a lot of talk of you possibly rolling, dialing it back and, uh, you know, getting away from that. That's clearly not been the case. And I feel like in a, a guy in your position with, you know, doing what you're doing, you have to remain unapologetic, right? That's part of the deal. Absolutely. I mean... Dude, I've, I've always been real. Sometimes I turn it up 11 out of the 10, and I, and I don't, you know, keep it below a 10, but, you know, it's always real. You know, I'm turning it up to 11 because at the end of the day, let's be honest, we get locked in a steel cage in our underwear to take each other's brain cell and beat the living crap out of each other. So you guys are worried about some words or some things I'm saying, you know, but, but we're going to get locked up and we're going to beat the living shit out of each other and try and kill each other. It's just, you know, do, do you see the how you know stupid that is that yeah. you're worried about words but you don't give a shit you want bloodthirst and people to die so you know it is what it is yeah it's a double-edged sword there for sure um so not turning that down at all going forward as the usual chaos colby covington it's gonna be the regular chaos man i'd be the same person the whole time you know sometimes i turn it up you know sometimes i dial it back but you know i'm just gonna keep fighting hard for what i want and you know, keep, keep giving my platform to, you know, the people I love most, the troops, the Trumps, and America. So that's what it's all about going forward. Speaking of uh, the Trumps, did you have any contact with them after the fight? They wish you well or anything? Yeah, yeah, they wish me well. You know, you know, I got to thank the president for calling me, you know, before and after the fight. You know, it means a lot to always hear from him. You know, it's just it's so surreal and it's just such a crazy journey that it's been to you know having the president calling your phone and wishing you luck and tweeting about you and inviting you to the white house and you know giving you you know and hooking you up at his hotel in las vegas which by the way that hotel trump las vegas was immaculate it was amazing overlooking the whole entire strip from the, the suite on the top floor so you know i just gotta thank those guys so much well, trump 2020 <laughs> keep america great all the snowflakes out there you cry baby dams all you suck too. And Candace Owens, just hey, I gotta tell you the greatest quote from my girl Candace Owens, who came to my last fight. You know, I love this girl. Um, you know, after the fight, she told me, "Hey, Colby, I just want you to remember. Speaking of, you know, how, 
it's kind of funny because we're going back to how you were talking about people and what they say, but it's kind of funny. She's like, Colby, let me tell you, this is the best piece of advice that I'm going to ever give you. Kings, don't worry about the opinions of cockroaches. Such a great, perfect quote. She is cool shit, huh? Man, one of the smartest girls I've ever met in my life. And, uh, you know, gr- doing great things for America. I honestly think she's a future future POTUS for America. And she'll be the first woman African-American president. And I'll, I'll be I'll be honored to stand by her side. I tell you, it's it's nice to hear a voice of reason like her in a age full of insanity. I mean, there's it's getting crazy out there, man. Not, the country's getting more and more divided and uh, divisive. And, and it almost feels like... At any moment, this thing could explode, but it's nice to hear a voice of reason like her. Um, but before we wrap this up, man, I, you know, we talked about going forward. What's next for you? How the hell did this boxing match with 50 Cent, how did that come about? What made you think of that? What made me think of that is all the shit talk he's been doing on me lately and, and making Instagram posts about me and this and that and just talking all that shit. So, dude, you want to talk the talk, motherfucker, you little bitch, soy boy, little Hollywood scum then you better fucking walk the walk, you know? So he's been saying some shit. So here's my official challenge to 50 Cent. You know, first off, what have you ever beat besides your defenseless spouses? And if you want to come try and fight a real professional, let's do it. Colby Chaos comes in. I'm putting up a million dollars against 50 Cent in a, ch- in a charity boxing event. And I'm going to tie one hand behind my back. I'm going to let him pick whatever hand he wants, right or left. It doesn't matter. Each one has dynamite in them. And I'll put him down in one shot. It's not going to take nine, nine shots to put down that soy boy fucking 50 cent. So him just talking shit online, it, it uh, lit a fire under your ass and you decided to call you know, call him on his bluff. Yeah, that's exactly right, you know. So I'm calling him out and uh, we'll know who's the coward and who's scared and whatnot and who's all talk if he doesn't step up to the plate and fight me in a charity boxing match for a million dollars. And I'm donating all my money that I win from it because it's free money. I'll beat up 50 Cent with one hand tied behind my back. That's free money. I'm giving all the money, the million, straight to the troops. Now, how does that, I mean, he's got a relationship with Bellator. I mean, say if for whatever crazy reason this was to come to fruition and he was crazy enough to take the uh, take the challenge, I mean, having a relationship with Bellator, does that is that a conflict of interest, do you think, on maybe the UFC's end, or does that not matter? You know, that doesn't matter. You know, a celebrity's boxing match this is going to be a side event this has nothing to do with mma this doesn't have to do with bellator this doesn't have to do with ufc so this is going to be a private celebrity boxing event you know and and and, you know it's not mma so you know we're going to do a little you know jake paul and that other guy could do their own little pay-per-view event i'm I'm positive me and 50 cent can sell a lot of pay-per-views but he don't want that work that's the difference you know He, he wants to talk the talk you don't really want to step up in the octagon or in, in a boxing ring and fight. And that's with a guy that's got one hand tied behind his back. So, you know, he better stop talking. And if I see him anytime soon, I might run into him. You never know where I'm going to be. I end up in crazy places and put myself in all the situations to see people I don't like. So, you know, just go ask Dana White when I ran up on him at the blackjack table. But, you know, I will find 50 Cent, whether he backs down like a little coward bitch and doesn't step up to the challenge, or I see him you know, at a concert or some event, I'm going to find 50 Cent. And when I get my hands on you, 50 Cent, it's not going to be good. Uh, I'd imagine the hard part's going to be getting past the security, right? No, those guys are soft too, man. They're snowflakes. It's fucking security, man. I got way tougher security. You know, I got secret service. I got fucking, 
trust me, I got way bigger security. Last time I went to Vegas, man, you don't. If I see him in Vegas, it's it's on. I can guarantee you that. Let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> I got my security detail out there, a bunch of big ass, four hundred pound Samoans who used to play football. Don't fuck with us, man. I'll tell you right now, we'll get past any security in the world. Now, did you do you follow hip hop at all? Are you familiar with his his rap career? Dude, his rap career is fucking a joke, dude. He got fucking put. He got buried by the game. I mean, he's never been the same since the game. You know, he's never recovered. So, you know, he's old. He's washed up, and th- and that's why he's talking about me now because he knows I'm new age. I'm the future. Like, everybody knows I'm the future. They know what I'm coming. Same with that that fat pig, Rosie O'Donnell, you know, trying to talk shit to me after my fight and criticize me and this and that. Bitch, Rosie, what have you ever done? What you're the hell? Hate, what did Rosie O'Donnell li- say? She was talking mad shit. Go look, at, go look at her Twitter. She put up a bunch of Twitter posts after my fight. Like, oh, MAGA jaw, fucking that MAGA fighter, Colby Covington, got knocked out unconscious, blah, blah, blah. Go look on her Twitter. Wow. Let's be honest. She's a fat fucking pig. What's fucking Rosie ever done, man? She's she's just mad that her fucking spouses, you know, and fucking all her, her girlfriends are sweating my Instagram. Raw America <laughs> Steel and Twisted Sex Appeal, baby. <laughs> wow, I didn't know Rosie went after you. That's how polarizing yeah. you are, man. <laughs> yep. I know. Well listen, with the with the fifty cent thing, real quick, man, as as soon as I heard it, I immediately thought Cause I I used to be big into hip hop and uh, when he when he first came out he was he was pretty good but he went after the low hanging fruit of Ja Rule that was his that was his guy to diss and like I said yeah. low hanging fruit then of course I don't know if you follow the Locks or Jada Kiss or anything like that those guys buried him and ever since then I mean I haven't heard a diss track really come out of his mouth so when you're looking for ammunition on the disses go back and listen to some of those old songs like Jada Kiss Checkmate. And Styles P had put out a, a song against him. I mean, he got he got destroyed as soon as he went after anybody of any credibility. He he got put right in his place. So yeah, and you know that that that's the story of his career. He's been put in his place. That little broke butt bitch. He's got all these investors these days. If you if he's really fucking about it and he's a man of his fucking words, show up, put up a million your own dollars. Don't get some fucking sponsor, you broke bitch. <laughs> all right, man. So. We're waiting for the rematch, hoping for the going to campaign for the rematch with Usman, or fight whoever wins that title next. In the meantime, no other fights interest you. Maybe a big payday if that was to cross the table. Would that interest you? Money, money talks. So you know, any anything interests me that has dollar signs on it, and big checks. So you know, Colby Chaos Covington is open for business, and and if I get paid the right amount of money, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Do you fight anytime soon? And how how many times do you fight in 2020? If you had to guess, uh, for sure I'll be fighting at least two to three times in 2020. Uh, you know, I'd like to get my first fight in Interna- International Fight Week in July. You know, it's a big event in Vegas. You know, headline that would be an honor, be fun, and and give the fans what they want. You know, because the people and the fans they want me right now. So you need you need to give them what they want. Give them the the bang for their buck. You know, they're put, paying their harder monies for these shows. So. You know, let's let's give the fans a treat. Put Colby Chaos Covington at the top of the marquee International Fight Week, Las Vegas, Nevada, July. All right, man. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, in, in conclusion, you know, what can we all expect this year from you? And it sounds like you've come come out from the time away from the sport. You're back in the limelight, and we should all expect to hear a lot more from you. Yeah, you can expect a massive 2020. It's going to be a big year. I've been working extremely hard for it to be the best and most lucrative year of my life you know 
I'm ready, you know, for anything thrown at me. And I'm doing big things. You don't know where I'll end up next. UFC, WWE, Hollywood, Silver Screens. You never know. But, you know, I want to say thank you to all my sponsors, Bang Energy. Thank you to Fusion CBD Products. You know, thank you to American Top Team and, and all the fans, all the people, more importantly. Thank you to the people and, you know, the people's champ, me. I'll be back soon. All right, brother. Pleasure as always, man. Best of luck. Let's keep in touch. And uh, I know we'll catch up again soon. Enjoy your afternoon, buddy. All right, buddy. Good talking. I'll talk to you soon. Always. Thanks, man. Later. Later. Love him or hate him, you always tune in to watch him fight. Colby Chaos Covington, pleasure to speak with him as always. You guys know he's been a staple of the show, and we're very grateful for him always coming back on with us. But let's keep it rolling. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, UFC bantamweight Brian Boom Kelleher. Yo, Brian, what's up, man? Not too bad, brother. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How's uh, how's life back in? What you back in uh, New York now? Yeah, I've been back here in New York. Uh, everything's good. I uh, actually, I, I caught a fever, like perfect timing, like on the way home from the fight, and then uh, I was, you know, that's kind of like when I'm like not training anyway, so it kind of worked out as far as timing goes, and then uh, that was like had me out for like three, three, four days, and then I got back in the gym. Well, that's good, man. At least it's not coronavirus, right? Yeah, yeah, it could, it could definitely always be worse, but uh, I'm feeling great now back in the gym. So, you know, I, uh, usually after fights, it's nice to kind of like reset and take some time off, but like I really uh, didn't really have much bumps and bruises. You know, I just wanted to get back in the gym and get better. Well, I can tell you, man, that was one hell of a performance you had a couple weeks ago. You know, give me your thoughts on that, man. Overall, I'd assume you're incredibly happy. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. I'm like, I'm so happy about how things turned out. Uh, even just like small signs, you know, throughout fight week, just kind of leading me to feel like, you know, it was my time to get redemption, get myself back to my winning ways, and uh, it couldn't have went any smoother. Like everything played out the best way possible. You know, the weight cut went smoother than I imagined. Uh, the fight went smooth. You know, it didn't really take any damage. I got the bonus for for my fight performance of the night, so it was amazing. What kind of a fight were you expecting, and what was the game plan going in? Um, I, exactly how it played out, and that's another part of those those weird signs where it's like, man, it worked out exactly how me and my coaches spoke about it and what we thought would happen. You know, we we all thought I was going to get a submission. Uh, we thought more more of a rear naked choke scenario, but uh, a guillotine is something that I, I like to hit in the gym, so that's always available. Um, I knew the guy was going to come out reckless and, you know, try to make a statement, his debut fight in the UFC, a lot of pressure on him to, you know, uh, show his, his, display his skills, you know, especially getting bumped up to the main card, his first fight ever in the UFC. So, uh, yeah, I knew that that was on his shoulders and he was going to try to be overly exciting, I felt like, and uh, that kind of ended up being to his detriment. But uh, I had a lot of pressure on my shoulders as well, but I was uh, able to tune all that out and just live in the present moment well you mentioned the the rear naked being a possibility but of course the guillotine how it was finished that's your sixth career win by guillotine that move seems to be your bread and butter yeah, definitely something that I look for. You know, if you leave your neck out there, I'm going to look to latch onto it. That's just how I am. You know, uh, 
I'm always looking for the finish in any position. And, uh, you know, guillotine is just something that I hit frequently, you know, in the gym. People know me for it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things you like, you don't want the secret to get out, but it's already out there. So. <laughs> I was I, obviously very happy to see you get back in the win column considering how the past couple of years have gone. But uh, it was pretty cool to see the homage to Masvidal with the hands behind the back in the beginning of the fight. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know, it was weird. It was just one of those things like improvisation, just getting in the cage. I just felt, you know, ultra calm, confident, relaxed. Like, And, and it, it's one of those tactics where, like, you kind of, like, you see it. And you're like, oh, is he going to do some flying knee or some crazy shit out the gate? And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Why not? Let's let's play a little head games here. Let's you know let's uh let's play it like I'm gonna do something crazy. And then I see the other guy across the cage plotting on me as well. You know he's down on one knee, so I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? And uh, it was one of those things where like last second I was like, you know what? Let's not jump and, and get crazy. Let's kind of just pretend we're gonna do it, but let's play it safe. And uh, I'm glad I did that because I could have jumped into that punch or it could have you know been a worst case scenario. Well, again, man, it was it was pretty pretty cool to see that. Obviously, every. Everybody's a big game brand fan these days, but uh, interesting point that you mentioned, kind of a tactical way to throw a guy off of his game plan for the initial, you know, opening of the fight. Yeah, because to me, like, after what I took away from the fight, I like to reflect a little bit. I was like, you know what, like, I know I kind of stole that from Jorge, shout out to Masvidal, but uh, I, I feel like uh, it's a smart way to start a fight because now guys don't know if you're going to come out with that or if you're just kind of playing games, you know, and it kind of throws guys' heads off. I feel like, you know, they start to think a little bit as the fight, right before the fight starts. It can only help me, I feel like, as far as, you know, getting in their heads a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you hadn't fought in two years. Obviously, very happy to get back in competition, back in the win column. Detail the injury and the layoff, man. What was that like for you? Well, uh, at first it sucked, you know, you, you always want to stay active and, and get fights, and I was supposed to fight Mitch Gagnon in the summertime, early summer, and uh, I was ready to get in there, and I had an injury come up, and it was my last fight on my deal, and my manager, you know, my coaches kind of advised me to, to, to pull out of the fight, uh, I was going to keep moving forward and try to get through it but now looking back i'm glad that they were looking out for me to uh not go in there hindered you know for that last fight um and then you know the time off just became a big blessing to me just uh refreshing my game uh it re reigniting that fire back in me that i feel like i once kind of lost and was trying to find uh and uh you know seeing myself grow in the gym and and see that old brian come back where i have that fire in me and that passion in me to win and uh i feel like i carried that mentality into this fight and it really uh paid off so regardless of of the hindrance of of, of not being in competition there was a blessing in disguise during this layoff for you 100 percent. i i think uh you know the heart you know, grows fonder with distance, you know, and you, uh, you, you kind of have to, you know, sometimes you get burnt out in this game. And I feel like that happened to me a little bit with the Lineker loss and then going into the Montel fight, holding on to that. Uh, I needed a lot of time to mentally refine myself and regather, you know, how I want to feel going into training and, and leading up to fights and, and, uh, just, uh, pretty much, figure out what I want, you know, and, and I feel like that time off gave me that proper amount of time to do that without going into a fight with that on my head. You know, I got, I cleared that out. 
I was over the losses. I was it was a clean slate for me. It was like we're starting fresh. This is your debut again. Let's get this shit going and let's do it. So I'd imagine there was a big sigh of relief, whether it be fight week when the contract was signed, finally walking out to the cage, or even more so after the fight, after the finish. When did you feel that big sigh of relief and, and you know, scoring that big win? I, I'd imagine it came uh, at some point during the night. Yeah, no, I mean, that all always comes after. You know, once you get the victory, that's when that big sigh of relief comes because, you know, you, all your hard work is paid off. Uh, you know, you, you, you could be a normal person for once in your life for a, for just about a week or two, you know, you can just relax and kind of, you know, eat some food that you enjoy and give the people who you love more time and uh, be a little bit more lenient with your schedule, stuff like that. You know, uh, sometimes I look forward to that, you know, past the fight because I know what that feels like. It's such an amazing feeling to just have that relief and have that release where, you can just kind of chill for a little bit. And I know it doesn't last too long because you got to get right back on, on the horse and, and keep winning fights. But uh, it's just nice to give yourself that that time. And uh, it only really feels right after a victory. So it was just beautiful. Now tell me, I can only imagine there was a lot of financial hurdles during that long layoff, right? Well, I wouldn't say so. You know, most people would think so. But I, I uh, my parents are very supportive. Uh, you know, uh, they really help me out with, with, they cook healthy, you know, and, uh, they, uh, don't really, uh, you know, they, they, they got my back pretty much. And, um, I had won a couple of bonuses in the UFC prior to this fight and I had, you know, been smart with my money. I put a lot of it away. I invested some of it and, uh, you know, it's, it's good to know that I have my head on right when it comes to financial stability and stuff like that. And I, uh, I didn't really waste a lot of my money or, or spend it all. And it paid off to have that, that cushion, you know, and just in case something like that happens, you never know when you're going to deal with an injury. Man, it sounds like you're wise beyond your years when it comes to the financial game. I think uh, a lot of fighters could take note from you on that. Yeah, man. I mean, if I could give any advice, it's just like, you know, don't think that you're rich, you know, just because you win a bonus in the UFC. I know for, for a lot of fighters, you know, we don't have a lot of money, and then we win this big, you know, 50G bonus, and we think, you know, we're, we're wealthy, and we got money for life all of a sudden, you know, and it's like, you got to understand there's a lot more years left, and you got to, you know, try to find a way to have your money make money for you, and uh, I'm looking to now invest in some real estate, uh, rental property, and develop some equity and some cash flow, and I think that's the best way to utilize your money. For sure, man. I mean, other than buying... You know, precious metals or something like that. The greatest investment in, in the history of man is, is real estate and owning property. So uh, that's definitely a wise move. Has there been any action there or is that just something you're thinking about right now? Well, there's definitely been action. I haven't uh, pulled the trigger yet, but I'm in talks with a real estate agent and also a lender that uh, we're trying to work things out. You know, going over the, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my income over the last two years and trying to figure uh, the best option out. But uh, also, I'm trying to purchase my own property here in Long Island. So uh, it's kind of hard to do both things at once, but I'm trying to uh, move in, in that direction. Well, man, purchasing property on Long Island, please tell me you're in touch with uh, the raging, crazy real estate agent, Ally Aquinta. <laughs> no, not yet, but uh, <laughs> definitely... Uh, 
of interest, you know, I got to reach out and see what's going on with him over there. I know he's doing his thing with the real estate, so he's a good guy to talk to. Uh, I see him once in a while. I cross paths, you know, if I go train over there. Uh, so definitely going to ask him some questions and pick his his brain about uh, the real estate aspect. For sure. It'd be a good move. But regardless, you know, getting back to the career, again, as you mentioned, quick finish, no injuries, snagged that bonus, big sigh of relief. All that being said, man, what's next? I'd, I'd imagine you have plans to stay active and stay healthy in 2020. Oh, yeah. This year, man, I want to stay active. Uh, I definitely want to get at least three or four fights in this year. Uh, my vision is April 18th in Brooklyn. Uh, I think that would be very fitting for me, you know, to uh, fight in front of my hometown crowd and, uh, you know, get a, uh, another victory, move myself up into, you know, a, a potential to fight for a top 15 guy after that. Um, yeah, so I just, just want to really stay active. I'm, I'm back in the gym, you know, I'm motivated. Uh, it, momentum's a powerful thing. You know, you're coming off a big win, you, uh, you get a lot of momentum and I love rolling off of that. I want to keep that going. So, uh, my mind's in the right place and I, I'd love to get another fight in April. Uh, I did fight out my contract, so I'm currently a free agent technically, but, uh, I plan on, on sticking with the UFC. It's where the best of the best are. So I'm waiting for that new contract to come in. Now, is there, is there, obviously we hear when guys go into free agency, uh, money's a factor, fights are a factor. It sounds to me like you're comfortable at home with the UFC or, you know, could a, could a better offer come by that, that makes you go elsewhere? You know, I'm happy with the UFC. I love the UFC. You know, I've, they've, they've given me good opportunities, good fights. You know, I've already won three bonuses with the UFC at, uh, with just seven fights, you know, and that that's a great uh, achievement right there. Uh, I plan to keep that going as well. I love to finish fights and fight exciting, so I think they, they like that. And, um, you know, obviously the best offer is the, you know, the direction you're going to go. But I imagine that coming off of a finish on a pay-per-view card, getting bumped up to the main card. And, and, you know, I saw Dana White after he was happy with my performance. Obviously he gave me that bonus. So I'm sure he's happy with me. And uh, I'm sure that, that, that is a, you know, a sign of uh, good things to come with the next deal. Definitely. A lot of bonuses went out that night, didn't they? Yeah, man. I think he gave out like five or something like that. Usually they do a fight of the night, but he was generous that night, gave out an extra one on top of usually they give, you know, uh, four total or not even. They usually give three because it's fight of the night and then two performance bonuses. So, uh, yeah, he was feeling generous that night. And I think, you know, our conversation, I kind of put it in his head like, listen, you know, uh, not a lot of finishes tonight. You know, I I want that 50 G's. And he was like, it's looking good, kid. That's awesome, man. And, you know, speaking of, like, branding, you know, building yourself up into the superstar potential that you have, what a better stage to show your skills to the world than, you know, on a card with McGregor. Oh, yeah. Couldn't have, that's another piece of the weekend. It couldn't have gone any better for me. You know, I was supposed to fight on the early prelims. You know, those, those fights are not really accessible to the whole world as far as, you know, uh, regular basic fans, you know, the hardcore fans might, might tune in to watch those, but not everybody's tuning in for those. But on a Conor McGregor pay-per-view where, you know, worldwide you got eyes on you, it, it, it was amazing to get put in that slot to uh, put on for the fans. You know, uh, it was a packed arena when I walked out. And so uh, it definitely helped me grow my fan base. That is awesome, man. So April 18th, you're looking forward to Brooklyn. However, we see a lot of guys jump in at opportunities to be a late last minute replacement that really works their way and also, you know, kind of rubs the back of the company as well. Is that something you'll be looking into? 
Well, I'm one of those guys, man, that I stay in the gym. I try to keep my weight, you know, within range. And uh, I'm definitely one of those guys that's willing to do those favors. Uh, I think, like you said, it pays off on your end. I think the UFC appreciates that. And uh, I already kind of put myself out there to do that. You know, Chico Vera was supposed to fight Jimmy Rivera. Uh, Jimmy Rivera got hurt. And I, my manager called me right away. And I was like, hey, listen, man, if they're going to do if they want to do a catch weight, you know, it's only like a week and a half away. I'm coming off of a fever, but I'll still, you know, I'll still make it happen if they're interested. And he, uh, I'm sure he tried for it, but I think, uh, you know, Chico Rivera decided to, you know, play it safe and uh, and and just, you know, fall off the card altogether. Because you know, I don't blame him. He's 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 in line to fight number five in the world. He wants to move up in the rankings, which, you know, he's on a tear. So I get it. But I'm definitely willing to step in if need be. No kidding. So you've already thrown your name in the hat. I've already thrown my name out there, man. Like, I'm, I, like I said, with the momentum, you know what I mean? I, want, I, I believe in that stuff, so I want to keep that going. And I feel on top of the world right now, and I think when you carry that into the cage, it's a powerful thing. So I was ready to go. So in terms of uh, opponents, obviously, you know, no, no big call-outs, no trash talk here, but give us your thoughts on the state of the division and what kind of matchups you think make the most sense for you, you know, be it April 18th in Brooklyn. You know, I, I don't think I'm in a big position to make a specific call-out. You know, you could always try to do that, and I think it's smart to have a plan. Um, right now, my, my call-out is just, hey, put me on that Brooklyn card. You know, I don't really care who, and I don't think it, it necessarily has to be a ranked opponent or anything like that. I don't think that's something that I, you know, quote-unquote deserve yet, but I think, you know, one more win puts me in line to call out, like, a top 15 guy, and then we can start moving up from there. Uh, but, yeah, the division's crazy exciting right now. There's a lot of guys, a lot of craziness going on at the top with Cejudo, and, you know, he beat Marias, and then Marias beat Aldo technically, but then Aldo looked like he might have squeaked out that fight, so now they're looking to make that fight with Cejudo, and, and you know, Aljo had an injury, so he's healing from that, and you got Peter Young waiting in the wings. Like, there's just a lot of options. Dominic Cruz is coming back, like... There's so much to get mixed up at the top. I'm not really worried about that yet. You know, I just got to keep winning and uh, put myself into the top 15 by the end of the year. Of course, of course. But, you know, as a guy in the division who's looking at the top and hoping to get there, give me your thoughts on the Cejudo situation. I mean, there was talk of him being stripped, talk of him, uh, or, or I'm sorry, being stripped of the flyweight uh, title, only fighting bantamweight. I know a lot of people would like to see him and Cruz if Cruz was to come back healthy. How do you think everything's going to play out at the top of the division? Well, here's the thing, man. So, Hudo had to make a decision. You know, he had to drop one of the belts. And if you're him, you know, you, you, you're making the money now. You're two-weight world champion. You've already done that. You know, if you're going to pick one, you're going to pick the one where you're 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 doing well in right now. And who wants to cut a lot of extra weight when you don't have to and you're going to make the same amount of money not to, you know? So he decides, you know, stay at 135. I'm, I'm happy for Joseph Benavides to get his shot down there. Um, I think that they're going to actually look to make that Aldo fight, which is surprising, you know, but, uh, you know, anything can happen these days in, in this business. And, you know, if, if if the fans think Aldo won and the UFC, you know, can make money off of a fight, they're going to put the bigger name in there. And, uh, you know, we just saw Cejudo beat Mariah, so I think this is a fresher matchup. 
something a little more exciting for the for the fans to see, someone new. Uh, I would love to see Dominic Cruz come back and get a shot. I know that would suck, you know, for those other guys for him to skip the line. Uh, it, it really is unfortunate for the for the Aljamain Sterlings and the Peter Yans, the guys who worked their way up from the bottom, uh, you know, been through the ups and downs, finally get their number one contender slot, and now they have to essentially defend that number one contender slot and take a risk on losing it all, you know? So it's a tough position, man. It's really hard to get a title shot these days, but you just got to keep winning and try to, you know, get your name out there and, and, and just, uh, you know, some guys got to do talking, some guys don't, but... It's a crazy game, man. Uh, I think we've seen more and more over the years, whether it be trash talk or a different angle, you've really got to self-promote, right? You've got to generate that interest. 100%. I mean, for me, it's like you want to be yourself, but you also have to find a little bit of a shtick, a little something that you can utilize to get your name out there more, to, to, to get some controversial stuff happening, uh, to build some 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 exchanges with guys in the, in the upper echelon of the division. You know, like so you got to do something to stir the pot these days, whether it be something funny, something stupid, cringeworthy. <laughs> You know whether you, whether it's a serious angle you take and you start talking shit to someone, maybe you don't like them, make it personal. But yeah, these days you got to do something unless you're just knocking guys out left and right. Sometimes that does enough. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now a guy like yourself, you had a lot of hype after the win over Henan Barrow. Henan Barrow, you had some setbacks, but 2020, it's looking like it really could be the year you get back into the mix of the title picture, right? Yeah, man, that's the plan. You know, I think the fans like watching me fight. Uh, I think they like my personality, you know, between, you know, the boom breakdowns that I do on YouTube with the fights, the music uh, that I put out there, uh, you know, my interviews, my personality. Uh, I'm a humble guy, but I also have, you know, a good personality. I feel like on the mic, I'm well-spoken. You know, I can do different things with analyst work or commentary type stuff if need be. Um, but yeah, man, this year I'm going to, definitely uh put myself back into those those uh those top 10 talks uh you know i gotta have a, an honest vision so i feel by the end of 2020 we're gonna see boom in the top 10 again now you mentioned the boom breakdown on the rap career the rap stuff was something i wanted to get to before we close this up but uh breaking down fights being an analyst how, how much has that been a benefit to your own game well, you know what? I haven't really looked at it like that so much, but but now if I if I take a second to kind of reflect on that, I feel like it definitely helps because it's a whole new perspective on the game. You know, you kind of take a back step and you you no longer are the fighter and you're just kind of the fighter's eyes and the vision from, you know, uh, having having the experience of having been in there and then also taking a back step and seeing it from the outside. It's a, it's a cool angle to, to break down the fights and, and the fighters, you know, energies going into the fights and how someone might feel coming out of a fight, win or loss. You know, it's, it's just fun to break down the whole psychology of the sport. And, uh, I think having been in there and having done it face to ups and downs really gives me a good platform to, uh, to show, uh, you know, my mindset on the game and, and really be able to mix it up with these journalists and, uh, give a whole different perspective. Yeah, you know, it's cool stuff. And I know I'm from the train of thought where, the majority of MMA media, none of us have ever fought in a cage. So therefore, we really have no true perspective to be an analyst. I mean, I get really upset with guys that say this or that. I feel as my job is to just get cool interviews out of you guys rather than tell you 
tell the masses, you know, how the fight should have gone. This guy should have done this or whatever. I, I think we don't have any ground to stand on with that. However, it sounds to me, as you mentioned, man, you, you, you've got the, you've got the talk, you've got the ability to do so. Has there been any discussion of you maybe having an analyst role with ESPN or something like that? Well, you know what? There hasn't been any official discussion, but I've just been making my rounds, you know, through the media with the, you know, I was on Ariel's show. I did, you know, uh, the MMA Hour with Luke Thomas uh, and those guys. I, uh, you know, been on the A-Side live chat on Wednesdays a couple of times with Jose Young's. You know, um, just getting friendly with the media. Uh, I've done I've done James Lynch podcast, you know, breaking down the fights. I'm doing as much as I can, essentially building a resume because, you know, at some point fighting's over and I want to remain in the sport and I want to have a job where I can kind of, you know, stick with what I'm passionate about and, and break down the fights and uh, whether it be analyst work or commentary or just be a part of the media, something along those lines for sure. Well, you definitely got the chops for it and I think you'd be a fantastic addition to any analyst panel, but... Again, before we wrap this up, man, how is the rap career? Hey, man, I, you know, I take breaks when I got fights close up, but I always have, like, I'm always writing, you know, I'm always working on that with uh, different beats and stuff like that, uh, working with a producer. I have, like, 12 or 13 official songs done, um, uh, you know, professionally produced, and I'm trying to release them slowly, you know, uh, one at a time on Spotify. I only have, like, three or four up there right now, but I'm going to release more music and uh, try to, you know, I think getting video um is is one of the better things for youtube you know making a sick uh music video is probably a better way to get uh views and stuff like that but i'm trying to uh network and get my music out there and try to get it you know a connect with the right person that could really uh help my music explode yeah i know the last time we talked this was probably earlier on before you had linked up with a good producer but you know we were talking about how mastering is the name of the game and that kind of thing uh however you know do you take any inspiration from a guy like woodley well, uh, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't find Woodley to be the best lyricist or writer or anything like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, props to him. He's doing his thing. And I think, you know, he's using his platform the right way. He's a networker, you know. Uh, and I'd love to, you know, make some music with him and just get my name out there with the people that he knows. You know, I think the thing is, is like the more famous you are, the more opportunities are available. And, uh, he's taking advantage of that. And, uh, I'm trying to do the same, you know, I'm trying to get my name out there. Hopefully someone jumps on, thinks I'm talented enough to become part of their, their group. And, and I can, you know, sign with a label of some sort, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing my best to get my name out there, and uh, that's what you got to do. You got to use the platform. So I know Woodley's doing that. Maybe we can mix it up. Maybe we could do like a battle rap thing or, <laughs> or where uh, maybe I write a song, he writes a song, who has the better song, who's the best rapper in the UFC, you know? That was my that was going to be the, the thing I said immediately next was, you know, you mentioned not being too big of a fan of his lyricism. Maybe you guys have a cool little battle just for fun and, and see where that goes. That would be a great promotion for both of you. Uh, but again, that was probably a really good way to stay busy during the layoff, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Something to keep my mind off of, you know, the, the downfalls and just keep focused and, uh, something, you know, that's therapeutic to me. I love music. So, and don't get it twisted. I mean, I love Tyrell Woodley. He's a great dude. I'm just talking some shit about the rap game and having fun, you know? <laughs> hey, of course, man. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm an old school rap fan or hip hop fan rather. So I'm, I'm pretty, uh pretty critical of a lot of the newer music today so i i can agree with you there but where can everybody find your stuff man on spotify you mentioned 
Yeah, Spotify, my rap name is just like my fight name. It's just Boom, you know. Uh, so there's stuff on there, but it's hard to find because there's a lot of stuff under the name Boom, you know. So it's really hard to find, like, my stuff. But uh, you'll find it in there if you look closely. You'll see some stuff. Uh, also, I, I put some of it up on my YouTube channel. It's just Brian Kelleher, my full name. And, uh, you know, my Instagram, Brian Boom 135 Give me a follow on there. You'll see some content go up as well. All right, man. Well, listen, as always, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm certainly looking forward to the next fight, hopefully, as you mentioned, April 18th in Brooklyn. But in conclusion, man, you know, tell tell all of our listeners out there, what can they expect from Boom in 2020, and why are you a guy to watch out for this year? Yeah, man, you can expect some, some good finishes, you know, uh, some more bonuses perhaps, and, uh, you know, expect me to be active, you know, three or four fights this year, leaning towards four, hopefully, but you never know. Uh just going to, uh, you know, be myself and, and fight, go for the finish like I always do and uh, put on a show for the fans and uh, hopefully get myself back up in that top 10 uh, so that people start talking more about Boom, baby. All right, man. Any shout out sponsor plugs before we let you go? Yeah, shout out to my family, my friends, all my supporters. I appreciate the love. You know, my sponsors, we got MHP, we got Vita Cryotherapy, uh, we got The Flow Place, um, hummus meals we got all different stuff over here on long island i appreciate everyone who's got my back uh thank you guys awesome man again thanks as always brian pleasure i hope we can catch up again soon and uh enjoy your day my friend all right you as well thank you man all right buddy Bye. later disclaimer for that interview sorry for the week open guys i was feeling a little bit under the weather that day and also please take note of the different structure I'm trying to impose for these things, trying to keep it a little less uh, formal, a little less rigid, more of a conversation piece, if you will. But make sure you guys check out Boom on Spotify. I got a chance to listen. He's got some really cool stuff. And also be on the lookout for him and his continued success in 2020. But let's keep it moving. Let's wrap this thing up. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Our final guest for this episode. Number three ranked UFC heavyweight, Curtis Razor Blades. Yo, Curtis, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Not too bad, brother. How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Must be uh, feeling pretty great after such an impressive win over the weekend. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I feel, I feel very accomplished uh, to have beaten such an, um, a, a, accomplished stand-up guy on the feet. Yeah, man, that's definitely something I wanted to get to in a moment, but, you know, Uh, overall, man, what are your thoughts on your performance? Must be pretty happy with it. Yeah, uh, we feel great. That was a game plan. A lot of motion. I mean, originally, plan A, like I said, was to actually get a takedown and get some ground and pound, but the footwork and the striking, that's how we envisioned it going. We just... I didn't picture myself actually getting a, a standing KO. I, I assumed I'd be able to get his hands up and, and get to his hips. But he's got really, really good takedown defense. I'll give him that. Really? So you you even surprised yourself a little bit with that finish? Yeah. But, I mean, we always knew who I had the capability, but you don't really know until you do it. So now I know now. Right, right. Well, as you mentioned, man, you know, Junior has always shown good takedown defense, especially early on. Was there any surprise about not being able to complete a takedown? 
Um, I mean, it was a bit, but it wasn't enough to like to frustrate me into uh, deviating away from the, the game plan. Like, I'm very um, composed. I don't fight with any emotion because emotional fighters they forget the basics and they they leave them themselves open to a lot of highlight chaos. I like to be very, very composed and always uh I like to use my my I I cues to set up opportunities for for things and the the takedown just wasn't there but yeah, I was able to open it up with all those faints and high lows and land the Absolutely, man. I was going to say, you know, on the flip side of it, the threat of the takedown set up your striking nicely. Obviously, you're confident to go out there and strike with anybody, but, you know, how confident were you about trading with him like that? Um, I mean, I listened, I listened to my, my, striking, uh, my striking coach, Vinny Lopez, and he's been t- t- telling me how good I've been using my feints and my cool steps and blending all the work together so I just believed in uh, the work we, we we put in together and I believed it would it would work out there I mean so I was I was confident I knew I had to do that in order to win now as you mentioned uh, you know Vinny Lopez there your striking looks significantly sharpened up obviously progress is always the goal but your confidence in your hands is, is really showing well, yeah, that's that's all thanks to him. Um, when I first got out here to Team Elevation, I was pretty raw in the striking area because I never had a, a mitt coach. I never really hit the bag the way you're supposed to. I, never, I didn't do the things you need to do in order to build your striking. I was just getting by and just being a really good wrestler. So when I got here, he we put in a lot, a lot of work, and, and I was able to catch on. And just uh, the progress has been exponential, and it's going to continue to grow because you've you barely scratched the, the surface. There's a lot of things I haven't added. Like I, we added the the kicks in, but I need to add like take kicks more. That's one thing I want to add. Well, for sure, man. Like I said, it's it's always a work in progress. But it sounds to me like you were early on. You were really relying on the athleticism to get you by within the striking department. Yeah, I'll just, I'll be faster. I'll just use my jab when I got, I've always had a pretty quick jab. And I, that's how I get a lot of my double legs. I would just toss out a really quick jab and just guys would pick up their hands and i get to the hips. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a chance to watch the fight yet? Yeah, I've watched it. I haven't had a, a chance to break it down with my coaches yet because they're both right well i was just i'm curious i'm wondering did you hear the stuff that daniel cormier was saying about junior's rear hand uppercut attempts yeah we we knew that was um uh a staple of his his offense but yeah i agree with dc it's not the best punch to use against me because i'm using all those paints and high lows uh, to draw it out and he was just so, so concerned with the takedown. Any little thing I would do with, with, was enough to draw it out. 
<laughs> Wasn't it ironic that you landed that same uppercut in the fight? Right, right, right. But for 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 the finish, but did didn't you land an uppercut uh, before that? No, uh, it was the overhand into the knees, and then he curled up, and I was just uh, hit him in the head. It was just the angle he was at. Okay, yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm think. What what has me thinking of this is uh, Dwayne Ludwig had a, a a pretty good breakdown of it. I don't know if you had a chance to check that out, but I think what I, what he was doing, I, I saw was in reverse. He was looking at your side of things with. Junior throwing that uppercut, I, I believe that that oh. yeah. So I, I saw that backwards, but he had a good breakdown of it. That you know, coming off that break with a feint, you were re- really able to set up everything that you wanted because Junior was, like you said, so worried about that takedown. Yeah, and, and that was that's why I wasn't getting uh, frustrated with him uh, defending him. And I knew in order for him to defend, he's got to got to commit everything. And I mean, what that's got to be a huge confident booster in the first place, considering that, you know, a guy, you know, that a guy is going to throw his hips to the floor as hard as he possibly can to stop your takedown. When in reality, you probably weren't even pressing that hard for those takedowns. No, I wasn't. Uh, I know, I know a lot of guys who, are, who have wrestling bases when they get those takedowns, they start to press harder. And that's when they usually get us out. I was just being economic with my energy. I knew, well, I believe that eventually I would get one. That's all I needed. Right, right. And how important is that? I mean, you, I remember hearing GSP talk about that years and years and years ago, the economy of your output and, and, and how how important that is that, you know, you can have the greatest gas tank in the world, but if you aren't managing that properly, it's never going to be a... Uh, you know, it's never going to work out for you at the end of the night. Well, yeah, I would agree with GSP. Um, obviously, he's, he's one of the goats. Right. But, but um, I've I just always, I've always been my, my method. Uh, even when I wrestled in high school and collegiately, I, I put in the work to be able to move the way I moved. But I knew I, I still had to be economic with my energy. Any... Any action I do on the on the mat or the octagon, I'm not just it's not like uh, wasted movement. That's wasted energy. Anything I'm doing, uh, like a, a side step, a cool step, a jab, it's to set something up. I'm being I'm always very economic with my energy. Right, right. Now I I'm wondering, uh, did you come in a little light for this one? It looked like you slimmed down a bit. Wow, that's got to be brutal, man. Was there any doubt in your mind that you would make the walk to the octagon on fight night? Um, initially going into it, um, on, on, until I did the open workout, yeah, I was I was worried that the hacking would be there in, in between rounds and whatnot, and like that would uh, affect my cardio. But um, I did a lot of a lot of uh, immune boosters, and I did. I just did everything I could do to get healthy, and it worked. I was able to get healthy just in time. 
So you felt good in there? There wasn't any, you know, residual issues with breathing or anything from the no. flu that you had? No, I felt great. Wow, man. So that that's crazy. That's got to be, a, <laughs> holy shit, one of the biggest fights of your career. You got to be stressing out if you got the flu two weeks out. I'd imagine it was pretty bad. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the stress was... The stress was on another level. I can yeah, imagine. I it hit me um, like January 5th, and it hit me hard. Like the first five days, I couldn't really get off the, the couch. I was I was hacking all night, couldn't sleep, had the, the sweats, couldn't eat nothing. That's why I lost all that weight, couldn't eat. I could barely drink stuff, and then um, I I just it started to go go in go in reverse, but very slowly. But I continued to go to practice and just do whatever I could do at those workouts. And then we got to fight weekend. I felt a little better, and then all right. I don't know, it just it dissipated. And it all worked out. Now, so fight week, obviously that that's uh. That's low impact. You're not doing a whole hell of a lot on fight week, but you know the week before, I'd imagine you know you're trying to peak at that point. What was that like for you in training camp, dealing with those symptoms? Um. Well, physically, it was very hard because any time I would get a decent decent sweat going, we'd have like a pause in practice, and then I could feel like the mucus that had built up. Like sliding down the back of my throat. Oh, yum. I would start hacking and puking. And I, that was just a lot of breaks I had to take in between practices. I wasn't getting in as many uh, uh, quality rounds. And um, on the on the mental, I was just, you know, the stress. I was worried I wouldn't have a, a proper condition I knew I needed to have. Right. Now, all in all, I mean, obviously everything went your way, but going in there a little bit lighter, did you feel any difference in, in, in being in competition? Did it feel a little better? Uh, it felt, I felt good. I felt like uh, maybe it even helped the, the footwork not being as heavy. I was able to bounce around a lot longer. Right, because you, you normally go in there around the at the limit, right? Like 265? Well, I've been slowly going down. In the last one in Abu Dhabi, I was 251, and the one in uh, Nashville, I was 255. Okay. And then again, in Ghana, I was like 260. So it's just, it's been like a slow but natural progress. So that, that's been the plan all along, is try to is try to drop a little bit of weight, just to, just to add to that mobility like you were talking about? Yeah, I feel, I feel that I can be on my feet a lot longer and just the the movement I'm able to bounce keep that, that good high low going right What what's the target weight for you guys I think I don't think I'd like to get below 245 I want to lose my weight like my power right that seems to be like that perfect area right we've seen a lot of guys like a Cain Velasquez or or uh, you know, there's there's other others that you can mention that have that cardio, keep that power, have that weight to be able to move a guy around. It seems like that 240, 245 range is is that sweet spot, right? Yeah, 
feels good for me. Right. So, you know, where does this win rank rank amongst your list of accomplishments, man? Former champ, knockout artist, you go out there and outstrike the guy. It must be up there on the list of accomplishments, right? Well, I think it'd be a little bit higher about under bonus. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think I put it behind the Mark Hunt win. Because I just, I feel like that was my, that was my first, like, real test after go out there and beat him in his home country. And he was able to land a big one on me and rock me. And that's me now for his comeback and battle the adversity that was like my right so so so, so the fight with hunt overcoming and persevering that that that's a uh, that scores more points for you obviously yeah but then i put the genuine right there and then obviously uh, the allison one right below that one right legends of the game man you're, you're taking them out one by one Absolutely, and I'm sure yourself you'll be amongst those names considered a legend, uh, you know, with many of us already. Uh, so, you, um, you know, you mentioned the title shot there. You called for the title shot after the win. Pretty impossible to argue that you're not deserving, man. How do you think that you'd yeah. match up with Stipe? Oh, no, I think I beat Stipe, but I understand that DC's ahead of me, and I also understand if Ngano gets by, gets by Jorginho, then He's also in. Well, I understand those are the facts, but I do. It doesn't change the fact that I believe I, I'm a, a, a legitimate title challenger. I, I believe I can, I can be stupid. Now, what is it about, I mean, you guys have very similar styles. What is it about Stipe specifically that makes you so confident? Obviously, the wrestling is a big factor. He's a former Golden Gloves guy. He's got great striking, but I'm sure over the years you've seen some things that you think match up uh, you know, that, that you'll be able, able to expose in a matchup against him? I just, I believe I blend the striking with the, the wrestling the best. And I believe on the ground, I've got the best ground in town. <laughs> I, I believe when I get on top and I, I start landing elbows, that's going to put guys away, no matter who you are. Damn straight, man. You know, it's funny. I was talking with uh, one of my buddies the night before the fight, and uh, we were discussing the matchup. And uh, this is a friend of mine who's followed the sport just as long as I have, if not longer. And uh, we were giving you a lot of credit, man. You're bringing back ground and pound in a big way. Like, you're making it happen. Like, guys like Coleman or, or Ortiz or, you know, we haven't seen devastating ground and pound in quite some time. You can say Khabib. Khabib is a mauler, yes, but... When it comes to power, incredibly powerful shots that are putting guys away, man, you were bringing it back in a big way, my friend. Thank you. I mean, it's just, I'm always about, again, this goes back to being economic. This is the, that's the easiest path to victory for me just to drop elbows. Like, even if you block them, if, if you block eight or nine of them, the referee's going to come in and, 
I'm calling anyways. Even if I'm, I'm not actually getting 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 to your actual head. As long as you're you're not defending this, nothing can stop it. I just believe that's the easiest way to get a guy out of there. Right, and those elbows are the blades for Curtis Razor Blades, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> So, assuming the uh, trilogy fight happens with DC and uh, Stipe, I know there's a lot of moving parts there. Nothing's official. It'd be nice if they could, uh, you know, put pen to paper here just so the division isn't held up. But who will you be picking in that trilogy fight, assuming it happens? Um, I'm going to go with Stipe. I believe he's got better boxing. He's, he's a longer guy. I believe he blends his, his MMA skills. A little better than DC does. Now, do you see Stipe seems to to be very interested in like a fight with John Jones or or a potential boxing match with one of the big stars in boxing? What do you think? You know, do you think he's right to be doing those things and kind of holding up the division, or should we get the ball rolling here, get this trilogy out of the way with DC, so the rest of you guys can you know move up and get your shot as well? I have no problem with him speaking outside. Avenue with your money, but you have to also you have a responsibility to the division, to the fans, to stay active. So you can do your Tyson reach, right? Or you can you can have John Jones come up or a super champ champ fight. But in between, you have to maintain and you have to continue to prove that you're the champion of the heavyweight division. If you sit out another eight months, a lot, a lot of development happens in eight months. Guys, guys get better, guys get worse in eight months. You know, you got to continue to prove that you're still the best. No, I agree with you. I think you're, I think you're absolutely correct, man. He does have a obligation to keep the ball rolling, keep things moving in the heavyweight division, and a heavyweight division. I might add that is more interesting than it has been in many years. But given this idea of John Jones moving up. The stuff that we've heard about him proposing that to Dana White, Dana White kind of saying, no, we, we'd rather not go that direction now. And obviously Stipe showing a lot of interest in John Jones. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you think that he would be able to hang with the big men like yourself if he was to move up to heavyweight? Um, I believe he has he has all the skill in the world. Like he's like on the feet. I don't think anyone is as creative or blends as well as he does. But there is gravity and weight. It does become a factor when you come up to heavyweight. And I just think, kind of like how it was with Holloway versus uh, Poirier, when Holloway tried to bump up to 55, he, he was able to land just as often as Poirier. But when, when Poirier would land, you could see they hurt. When, when Holloway would land, Poirier would just keep moving and eat him. I think it would be... A little bit of that going on in a heavyweight, you get into one of those exchanges, which I'm not saying John Jones is a brawler, but it's a fight. You never know. Um, I think if he gets in one of those exchanges with a big boy, he can, he can get put down. It's just it's just the physics. Right, right. So what you're saying, I, and you you make a couple great analogies there with Holloway and Poirier, uh, but you know you, you see that his creativity and all the skills transition up to heavyweight but there is just a it like everyone says man it's a completely different animal with big men that are constantly carrying around that weight 
the power is just that much more uh, magnif- magnified, right? Exactly. Um, I don't think I don't think he I like, on the ground also. I know he's an amazing wrestler, amazing jiu-jitsu player, but again, gravity plays a uh, a bigger factor in heavyweight fights and light heavyweight. I think, and I I know speaking for me personally, I've got real heavy hips. I've got amazing pressure. I think I'd be able to I think I'd be able to hang with him on the ground. I think I'd be able to get some elbows in. And again, the power I'm bringing on the ground. I could put him away. That would be that'd be the battle of the elbows, right? <laughs> yeah. He's he's definitely like I said, he's one of the most creative guys on the, the feet and ground you've ever seen, especially with those spinning elbows. Well, I'd I I'd say personally I'd be willing to bet that one of your elbows uh from from the top and guard are, are, are quite a bit more powerful than that spinning back one he has. But um regardless, I mean if he was to move up doesn't move up. That's all hearsay at this point. Right now, he's got your friend Dominic Reyes, uh, you know, looking down the barrel at him right now. How do you see that fight playing out? And have you had a chance to work with Dom for this camp at all? Well, um, unfortunately, no, I didn't have any chance to work with Dom. But um, I believe in the work he could say. I know he's a grinder. I know he's always progressing. Uh, I know he's going to be conditioned. Um, and I believe. It's 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 almost like the Jorginho versus Ngannou fight. Like John Jones has a way bigger margin of error. Like he can have an off night and, and still get a decision, dominant decision. And that just that all goes into how he feels about the fight. Does he want to hunt the the kill shot or does he just want to kick him apart? For right. Dom, though, I believe he has a path to victory. He has to set up that, that left head kick. That's, that's his that's his elbow. If he can land that, I think he's got some power. So I've been hit with it before. A couple of times in sparring. It hurts. And he was he, he was being nice. I think lands. We've seen John, his last fight against um, Tiago. He, he is immortal. He, he can be hurt. He can be... He can be hit. I think Dom has to be his footwork has to be on point. He has to take to take control of his octagon, and he has to heavy with the right hands to set up that that uh, left head kick. I think if he can do all those things, yeah, you got you got a very good shot. Yeah, so you're saying corral him into the left head kick with the with the uh, with the right hand? You're saying? Yeah, so that's how you got me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting too, and I think a big part of it as well, you know, is like what we saw. We've always seen this with John Jones, but what we saw with uh, Anderson Silva, you really got to go in there and take away all the mystique that this guy has of being that undefeatable yeah. character. You know, yeah. you got to go in there and almost not respect him. And it seems like Dom has done that. Up until this point, we'll see how that plays out on fight night, but up until this point, he seemed to show John not a lot of respect, and I think that could lend itself toward, uh, you know, having a good night come come fight night. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the, um, the minds that I'm hoping, I believe that he has. Like, you can't go into this fight like, oh, 
This is John Jones. This is the GOAT. This is this is a man in your way of what you want. That's how you got to go into it. Right. Now, you mentioned the comparison between uh, Rosenstruck and Ngannou, you know, with the fight with Dom and, and, and uh, John Jones. But, you know, speaking of Ngannou and, and Jarzinho, how do you think he? How do you think that fight plays out? Who, who are you picking as the favorite there? Kind of hard not to go with Ngannou, but we've seen yeah. a lot of perseverance a, from Jarzinho, right? If I'm a, a betting guy, honestly, I will put a hundred bucks down on Jarzinho because I know the odds are gonna be like they'll probably be like plus five hundred or something like that. So, but honestly, I know it's it's. Unlikely that Jarzinho can pull it off, but am I hoping that he can? Yeah. <laughs> and that that bodes a lot better for you in as in regards to the title picture, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I'm I'm really I'm I'm gonna send him all the positive vibes I can. Right. Now you know when we speak of the title shot, you you talked about it a little bit earlier. The only other guy the UFC could pass you up for is Francis at this point. Uh, you know, things yeah. didn't go your way in the rematch in China, but do you feel like it's inevitable that you two fight a third time? Yeah, it's going to happen because we're too close. And he's, he's not looking to retire anytime soon. I'm not either. I'm going to be here for at least another eight years. So <clears throat> I know it's going to happen eventually. Eight years, huh? You've already got this planned out that far ahead. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of uh, wrestling. It, it provides um, longevity. I don't get hit as much. Not to mention, for some reason, isn't it strange that heavyweights have more longevity than a lot of the lighter weight classes? Well, no, because the lighter weight classes are uh, a lot more speed dependent and athleticism dependent. So, like, once you get, get to the big boys, it's really more about timing and uh, power. That's true. That's true. Uh, well, thank you for the education lesson there, my friend. <laughs> so listen, man, what, what's the immediate plan for you? Do you enjoy some time off and wait for things to play out? Or are you really going to dig your heels in for the next crack at the title? Right now, I'm digging my heels in. Well, we can re- revisit this in a couple months. Right. Yeah, so then. So you're 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 open to taking another fight, but right now you're really gonna push for that for that title shot. I mean, it all depends on what plays out. If if Jorginho wins, yeah, we can do that. I just want movement. I just want a trajectory. Like right now, the stagnation is it's, it's annoying. Like, I don't, I can't play anything. Oh, it's completely understandable. And like we were talking about earlier. Until something happens with Stipe in D.C., well, that's all left, uh, you know, that's floating around as well. There's really no, like you said, there's there's too much stagnation in the division right now. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't, I didn't think Stipe would be this kind of uh, champion. I thought he'd, be, thought he'd be active all the time. I thought he'd be one of those. Right, well, you know, it's... It, I, I blame a lot of it on what we've seen with uh, with McGregor, for instance. I mean, a guy becomes a champion, has a potential, you know, like Stipe sees his own potential in boxing, uh, bigger fights, bigger paydays. Everybody's chasing that dollar, and it is prize fighting at the end of the day. However, 
like you said earlier, man, you have an obligation to the division and to the fans to be an active champion or as active as you can possibly be, right? Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, they did an interim uh, title. I wouldn't mind doing that either. Like I, said, I just want some movement. Right, right. And I think, like I said, man, you're incredibly deserving of it. Uh, you know, just, just the, the record speaks for itself and the only guy that's been in your way so far is, is Francis. So, and I'm sure, you know, regardless of the, regardless of, uh, Francis's ability and all these things fighting him for a third time right now, I'm sure that's not appealing. You want to move forward and do something different, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone expects that to be like, like my white will, like I'm Right. Matter of time. Matter of time. All right. Well, listen, Curtis, appreciate your time as always, man. Thanks for speaking with us today. Uh, in conclusion, man, tell all the listeners out there why you're the right guy for the next crack at the title when that opportunity presents itself. And what can everybody expect from you in 2020 at the end of the year as Curtis Blades, the undisputed heavyweight champ? I mean, I wish I could answer uh, the latter, but really can't give an answer on that one. But what you guys can expect out of me when I do get the opportunity to step in there, um, you're going to get the, all the athleticism I've always displayed. You're going to get the wrestling. You're going to get some grounding time. And if I have to, I'll stand the bank. But whatever I got to do, I'll be the best, the best evolution of my, myself. Awesome, man. I like I like the uh, the third part of that. If you got to stand and bang too, we know you're down to do it, and you're gonna have some success based on this last fight, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome, brother. Again, a pleasure speaking with you. Any shout out, sponsor plugs before we let you go? Um, I always want to give uh, some love to my gym, Team Elevation, out here in uh, Denver, Colorado, and. And shout out to my my body mechanic or my masseuse, Matt Bernier. He has a, an office in Denver, downtown Denver, called the Muscle Project. Anyone out there wants to get their body right, you go to him. And uh, my management company, Bology, all the work they've put in and all the doors they've opened, I want to give a uh, shout out to them too. Yeah, thank, thanks for hooking me up with Lloyd, man. Very cool guy, and uh, I, I didn't realize you had made the jump over there, but definitely seems like a good fit for you, man, and, and I look forward to all the continued success. Again, greatly appreciate the time today. Let's catch up again soon, and enjoy the fruits of your labor, my friend. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always down to do another one. All right, brother. Have a good one, buddy. All right, man. You too. Later. All right, Penn Nation, that's it for us. Thanks for tuning in yet again to BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As I mentioned at the top of the show, my apologies for the hiatus, but we are back and going strong. 2020, there'll be a ton of content from us. Make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe to this podcast, share it. Also, make sure you guys follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+, and set up alerts so that you get the news as it breaks. 
BJPenn.com on behalf of the whole team. Thank you all for tuning in and all your continued support over the years. Like I said, 2020 is going to be a big year for us, so be on the lookout. We'll be back again next week with another show. Until then, all love and happiness. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Peace out, everybody.